0: Good evening, comedy geeks. We're here with the lovely Dan. Hello. The wonderful Tom. Hi. And an amazing comedian who is, in fact, Noel
1: Wynn James. Thank you. I don't actually pronounce the in fact. Oh, sorry. Comedy Geek
2: Podcast. So, Noel, thanks uh, very much for joining us today for some uh, zany sketch madness.
1: No problem, Dan. Um, It's a pleasure to be here.
2: Yeah. Thanks for coming all the way from uh, sunny Pontadau as you Mm. from, isn't it?
1: That's where I'm from originally, but I live near a Morriston now. Oh, lovely. Yeah. And if you don't know where Morriston is, it's right next to Vaughan.
2: Oh, there we are. That clarifies that Mm. then.
0: By that big roundabout.
1: Oh, the big roundabout. Some people don't... Don't even go on that roundabout, but they're so scared of it. Yeah. But, yeah. A lot
2: of our listeners are actually in the US as well, weirdly, so they, they won't even know what a roundabout is. So no, it's just, it's just no. a a bit uh,
1: uh, tropical to them, probably. Yeah. So, do they have roundabouts in America? I don't I think they do, do no. they? I have, think maybe they have, they have one or two. They have, they have
3: some. Yeah. They're, they're not. They're not a big, big thing.
1: No, yeah. they're not big enough. But it's British it's thing.
3: better that they don't have any than just have them and not know how to use them like the French.
1: Yeah.
2: So. um yeah, so thanks very much for joining us today. Uh, yeah. I've got a whole sheet here of just questions okay. I'm dying, dying to ask you. Yeah. Really efficient. Scribble down a, on a <laughs> you need to piece asking. of paper. Yeah, we need to ask need
1: you. To what, have you scribbled them on your knee? Have you? Yeah,
2: I need, I need. Do you mean
0: asking. you brought questions to an interview? I brought, yeah.
3: What
2: were I thought you I'd thinking? ask the guest uh, questions.
3: I feel like I might be holding up my no pun sign quite a lot during this.
2: Maybe yeah. I noticed a lot because yeah. um, I've obviously been checking out some of your stuff yeah. online, and I notice a lot of uh, yeah. a lot of people interviewing you dive straight in and ask you straight up, straight away about things like um, oh, you do one liners, you do puns, and, and have just, I been interviewed so, that many times? <laughs> yeah, I think at least
3: twice. I think of. yeah. Um, and gr- and don't, not wanting to break from the norm, Dan's going to do the exact same
2: thing. <laughs> no, I thought I'd, I thought I'd do something different and, yeah. and ask what, you know uh, about your material. Yeah. Uh, Aside from that stuff, because, you you know, you do a lot of, sort of, uh, people often use, what's a lot of the words people use to describe you, uh, things like surreal is a word that Mm. seems to pop up a lot online.
1: Mm. Um, People use the word surreal, and I often uh, think it doesn't make sense, because if you are actually surreal, that means you're outside reality, and if you're a comedian outside reality, you actually probably wouldn't get many laughs, because uh, it's like... um, there is a link, though, I think, with uh, the surreal movement, which I think started in the early 1900s when um, some of the artists like Louis Bunuel and Salvatore Dali did those films, like oh, and okay. Shane Andalu. And the guy, the French guy, put a urinal in an art gallery and said, That's art. And people <laughs> b- believed it. And therefore, that's where surreal art, I think, does have a link with comedy for sure. but I think there's only a few genuine surreal comedians and one of the ones I remember was a guy called the Iceman who used to go on stage for 20 minutes with a big block of ice on the table and he used to have all sorts of implements like chisels and hammers and he even had like a small blowtorch. He was trying to melt or break the ice and he'd spend 20 minutes and that was his act. It's a good way to break the ice. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) indeed. And the thing was, there was no jokes... It was just him doing that, and on a good night, it went down really well. Yeah. And on some nights, it completely bombed. A cold reception. A cold reception, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's so strange. I think that my... That's surreal. My, yes, but my, my jokes are within uh, the logic of, uh, you know, language. So the theme of a lot of my jokes is surreal, for sure. The things I I refer to, but the mechanics of the punchlines make sense. Yeah, it's wordplay. A lot of it's wordplay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's just the the audience think you're going in one direction and then you just turn it on its head and...
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. you definitely... Well, that's that's also irony as well, and it's misdirection. And misdirection comes into all sorts of comedy, not just wordplay. So, for example, the classic reveal gag is, you know, saying about, oh, you know, I have this dirty habit of, you know, um, wiping you know
0: where's this going
1: (laughs) piss on my on my nose and the people in Tesco didn't like it either you know or something like that you always have a reveal thing don't you in a lot of comedy that's not a pun but a pun is doing the same thing because you're playing with two or different you know you're revealing something else that wasn't there at the beginning and um, I like wordplay I've always liked it I don't know why but I wouldn't just say straight puns. I, I, I once heard that a tenth of all wordplay decimates the brain. And I thought, one a tenth and decimates. And I thought to myself, is there a pun there? So no pun intended, or should I say one pun in ten, dead? <laughs> well, you
2: got one laugh out of three there. Yeah. Tom's Tom, uh, cringing behind his no puns.
0: Tom's sign. holding his no pun sign, and I think it's going to be sort of...
1: I can do no puns. My father my father had a, has a Rottweiler dog as a guard dog. He loves a dog. He put a picture of it on his gate, put a picture it on the door, He put a big massive picture of it on each window of his house. Six months later, the Rottweiler was voted district councillor. <laughs> um, I was driving the other day and um, I uh, have... Uh, it's my girlfriend's car and she has this tendency to leave the little parking ticket bits of paper on the side window. And I'm driving along and in the corner of my eye I see these three triangles... On the side, I think I'm being tailed by hang gliders. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what uh, you'd call a transposition gag yeah. or something. <laughs> like Charlie Chaplin used to do them in silent films, <laughs> where he'd pretend an alarm clock that he was working on in a clock shop was a, a tin of fish, so he'd have a key and he'd, he'd open the back of it. And you could do that in, in um, verbal jokes, verbal humour mm, as well.
2: Very clever, yeah. Would you cite him as a, an influence? I mean,
1: I think there's all sorts of influences from when you're a child. I think I used to watch a lot of Laurel Hardy. I used to watch a lot of... Because Charlie Chaplin films were on when I was a kid. Mm. And Charlie Chaplin films, I didn't find particularly funny, but it was like watching something from a different century. Because they're made in, like, 1911 to 1915 or something. And they used to be on a Saturday morning. And unlike Laurel Hardy, they just seemed to be actually from the Victorian era, you know. And... uh, Sometimes you'd have these amazing visual gags in them. I mean, Charlie Chapman was definitely a clever comedian, for sure. Mm. I think, I wouldn't have said I really like some of these people, but they must have been yeah. absorbed into my Yeah, um, Definitely. I mean, there's a reason still,
2: people still talk about them today, don't they? I mean. You know. Oh, yeah,
1: definitely. Well, I mean, the silent film comedians, you know, they were of their era. They had that platform. They used the medium they had to the best of their abilities. Yeah. You know, and um, that's why they still stand out today, for sure. I mean, you can see things in comedy films today. People can't do them like they used to do them. And for example, I remember watching Meet the Fockers with Robert De Niro as the father and Ben Stiller as the son. And there's a scene where he's on the roof. He's on the roof. He's in trouble again because the cat's escaped. He's got to go and save the cat because he doesn't want the father-in-law to find out. And, and he climbs onto the roof. And the way they shoot it, they have little cuts of his hand, cutaways of his hands and his feet. And his, he's losing his grip. If that was Laurel and Hardy or Buster Keaton They'd or Harold Lloyd, it would have one shot of the person yeah. on the roof. Dangling. Dangling, yeah. And it would have been much funnier. Yeah. I, in my opinion, visually, and I think people have lost certain uh, techniques and ways of seeing the comedy in film, you know. Mm. But apparently, there is a Laurel Hardy film, a Laurel Laurel Hardy biopic, in production with Steve Coogan. Right. I heard. That's right.
2: Yeah, I heard that. I I don't know. You know, i, I would ho- more about it. Well,
1: yeah. I I hope it'll be it'll do them justice. Yeah. yeah but
2: uh, um, yes, yeah, so a shame Jamie's not here today. Our other horse, because he's a big Laurel and Hardy fan, isn't he? Mm. Um, so who are your main influences then, comedy-wise, mm. who uh, would you put up there on a?
1: Well, I think Woody Allen is a brilliant stand-up comedian. If you listen and watch his stuff from the 60s, I think he is one of the greatest stand-up comedians. Um, I think there's so many brilliant stand-up comedians. I'm not actually that well listened or up on them. I should be listening a lot more to all the old tapes of Americans. I mean, I just picked up the autobiography of a guy called... Uh, Dick Gregory, who's a, a black comedian, who's dead now, but he was one of the Bill Cosby generation in, in the 50s. And, uh, you know, I'd like to listen to more stuff like that from that era. But of all the ones I've listened to, I think, yeah, Woody Allen, I think Bill Hicks is a brilliant stunt oh, yeah. comedian. Bill Hicks, yeah, it's good. Yeah, to, yeah, I think... Um, I you don't
2: know, think I've ever seen any of Woody Allen's stand-up. I've seen some of his films. Mm. I, I kind of thought they were just kind of, you know, he's just like this all the time, isn't he, and this, yeah. and he's so So tense and so neurotic. Yeah.
1: What
2: are you saying?
1: What are you saying? I mean, I went to a party once, so Woody Allen was there, and I went up to him, I said, um, you know, because uh, I thought I'd try and make him laugh, you know. I said, uh, <laughs> I, said, uh, I, said uh, I can't remember what I said now. I mean, it was so long ago. You know? <laughs> Frank Frank Frank, Well, Frank... Uh, Frank Carson, the Irish comedian, was there. I remember he was funny. He bent over backwards, slipped his head between his cheeks of his ass, and he whispered a joke to me through his penis. I mean, it, wasn't a, it was not a funny joke, but it was the way he told it. And, uh, and that was not a pun, by the way. And then, oh, was it? Oh, was it? The way he told it. Oh, my God. It's interesting, though, wordplay, because a lot of people, like Ricky Gervais, for sure, Hates puns. I've heard him say Mm. so. Doesn't see the point of it. Monty Python, when they started out, they had a group decision saying that we're not going to do puns. Mm. But if you look at Monty Python sketches, I found one. One of their classic sketches is, No one expects the Spanish Inquisition. And then suddenly the Spanish Inquisition literally come into the scene. And they say, no one expects the Spanish Inquisition. (laughs) And that's effectively a pun on the phrase, Spanish Inquisition, in my opinion anyway. But, but, you know, it's not a pun on one word, is it? Um, But, yeah, I like Bill Hicks. I like Monty Python. Growing up, I love Monty Python. I mean, if you mean just stand-ups, I'd have to see Woody Allen, Bill Hicks, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the American stand-ups, but. I suppose I'd like to look at Mitch Hedberg more. I think he's got some great lines. But British stand-ups growing up, you know, I used to like, obviously as a kid, Tommy Cooper, Les Dawson, Mm. um, Ken Dodd. I went to see live a few in the Swansea Grand. I saw Ken Dodd, I saw Frankie Howard. And in Wales, we had Ryan Davis. He was a brilliant comedian. Do you know Ryan Davis? No. Well, Ryan Davis died in 1979. He was 40 Well, He was um, from... The Ammon Valley, he, he did comedy in English and in Welsh. It had a double act with a guy called Ronnie Williams, so it was Ryan and Ronnie. They, did, in, they were almost as big as Markham and Wise, and had they stayed together, they I would know. have been... Uh, probably across the uk as famous and they were really good partnership and ryan was a very talented um i saw him in the pantomime in grand theater in swansea when i was about 10 and uh, you know and that was and max boyce is a a, a very max boyce was a very good comedian especially when he was at his peak in the uh, 70s you know yeah um, who's your favorite then
2: Oh, well, I, I do really like Ricky Gervais, actually. funny mention okay. him. Yeah. Mm. Um, I'm a big fan of The Office and mm. things like that. Monty Python is probably yeah, a big influence as well. Yeah.
1: Oh, Spike Milligan, I would say. Oh, I yeah. love Spike Milligan, oh, yeah. Oh, cool. mm.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he's very good, very clever. Mm. Yeah, mm. definitely. Have you been known to have influenced any other comedians? Have any comedians come out and said, oh, I'm... You
1: know. I've been known to have affluenced some. No, that's not even a pun because <laughs> I don't understand it. Um, I, I think apparently Tim Vine. Well, no, I know for a fact Tim Vine, Tim Vine. gives me. Oh, I love Tim Vine. Tim I Vine gives Tim me Vine. credit. I thought as you might like
0: him, Tom yeah. doesn't like Tim Vine. Guess no, who doesn't just... like Tim Vine? Yeah. <laughs> We've <laughs> had this discussion before, haven't we? I mean, right. that's a one-liner. We, we comic, said we isn't wanted I? him on the show, and. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, he's cropped up on a few of our... He's been mentioned on a few of our episodes.
0: Yeah, yeah. no,
3: Tim Vine. He's
2: never going to come on the show now, is he? Because no. Tom's slagged him off.
3: I just Sorry, don't. Tim. I just don't. I don't I know. It's just not my... You know, I like... Um, i like Mitchell and Webb. I'm massive fans of Mitchell and Webb. Mm. If we're looking at older stuff, Bob Newhart.
1: You know, um, I think um, one-liner. Yeah, you can have one-liners. Just people who do short bursts without necessarily being... But Tim Vine said of me that he once saw me in a gig in Balham, the... Bet the Banana Comedy Club, which is still going in Ballam, And he saw me do one particular joke. And the joke was, I saw a man who was going bald. He was going, bald, bald. <laughs> and Tim Vine thought to himself, oh, that that's such a daft joke. It gives me license to be daft now. And that's what, one of the things that, um, motivated him to pursue yeah. something. About me. I believe Dylan Mor- Dylan Moran said something nice about me once as well. Really? Yeah. God. I don't know. I know I know Milton Mil- Milton Jones likes me as well. He's he's been very nice to me over the years. He I once did uh he was once co-writer on the Lee Mack show Not Going Out and it, Behind the scenes, they were writing a script, and they came up with a line that a comedian says on stage to the audience. He, the comedian says something, and the audience member says something back, and the comedian says, "Pardon," and the audience member repeats what they said, and the comedian says, "No, I did hear you. I'm just pardon." That joke is a, a an in joke for comedians because it's a parody on if some if sorry, you yeah. say sorry, say no, I did hear you. I'm just sorry. You mm-hmm. see. Now, I came up with that line in a comedy gig ages ago, Ah. but I never even kept doing it. I just did it accidentally one night. But Milton Jones was at the script meeting when that joke came up, and he pointed out to Lee Mack and Paul Carenza, who writes the thing, oh, that's Noel James. And I ended up with a a credit on not going out for that joke. He liked
0: you too. We we like you too, Noel. Well,
1: that showed that that he had a sense of honour. And I I, I like Milton Jones for that.
2: I think, Amy, yeah. you'd go as far as to say you, you've you been influenced by Noel, wouldn't you?
0: I, I do. adore the puns.
2: You've wanted him on the show since we started. He really? Like, yeah. You, you were the first name Amy wrote down when when I made everyone... Really? But
0: I thought you didn't
1: know me before I was on BGT and no, Crymoj.
0: No, I've seen you in Tino's. Um, oh, OK. I think I ruined your set once as well because I kept <laughs> guessing your puns. Um, yeah, I Why apologize. does that not surprise <laughs> me? It you was the cover.
1: I'm going to have to write cleverer stuff, and I when Amy's in the audience.
2: <laughs> the guitar cover case, is that that's the one you did on Written's Got Talent? Yes, yeah, because yeah.
1: Yeah, you audition. did that
0: joke and I asked you, was it a cover? And I think ah I yes think Oh, you, you, ruined me. The, you ruined I the ruined actual, it. Actual, I do apologise, yeah. and I felt bad ever since. Did you
2: get up on stage and do like an elephant man impersonation? And... No. I no.
0: think I just walked away <laughs> and That would really ruin <laughs> it, not it? I brought...
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah the elephant man routine is an interesting routine because although i regard it as my own routine over the years i came up uh, over the years and over the head but i came up with the, the idea of sticking it on my head as an elephant initially and then when i was in a gig somewhere the comedian norman lovett who used to be on red, red dwarf, dwarf yeah said to me in the dressing Holy room he said if you hold it like that it looks like a shark and, and that's really where the Jaws idea came from, because mm-hmm. from his observation. And then a comedian called Phil Nickel, I think it was, said to me that you could do a pun on John Merrick and John Merriquai. So I sometimes <laughs> stick it on my head and do a funny dance and say it's John Merriquai. <laughs> the trouble with that joke is a lot of young people don't get the reference yeah. anymore, but it's still quite funny. <sighs> well, um, you
0: could do so many things with a guitar case. <laughs> yeah,
1: but what's nice is almost like a communal workshop. In itself, that like, gag then, so...
2: I quite like the fact that yeah, you do actually go onto to your guitar then as well. You yeah, I actually yeah. meant to bring my guitar today, but I uh, completely forgot to bring oh, it. Oh, it's a shame. I know. Sorry about that. That's okay. I, I really liked, um, on your Britain's Got Talent, uh, audition the uh, 12-bar yeah. bar barb. Is it 12 bar bar blues?
1: Is it? Well, the 12 bar blues, when I did the BGT audition, all the jokes you saw, they told me which ones to do. They were all my jokes, oh, but they told me, this is what, you, what we want do this, do that. And I had no choice. Really? And I did actually ask them if I could not do the 12 bar blues to keep something back in case I got through to the next yeah. round. They said, no, we want it to be as funny as possible. And it was tricky because I only had a certain amount of time to get all these things in. And, of course, playing guitar and singing in front of uh, 3,000 people and the four judges is not easy, you know. Yeah. I mean, it was a completely unreal experience, and I thought, I really don't want to surreal. make a mistake. Yeah, I've got a, possibly surreal. <laughs>
2: what we actually see on TV, then, on Brits Got Talent, is that, does that elapse in real time, or is that heavily edited down for TV? Well,
1: or in the valley of the blind, the one-eyed man is asymmetric. But more than that, I'd like to say that it's
2: getting deep. <laughs> this is the wrong podcast for that kind of, that kind of talk. Is it really? It's not Shit. Not Carry
1: on. Oh, I thought this was the one where Nietzsche walks in halfway through and says, "I was right all along." No, because in um, Britain's Got Talent, or should I say Bloody Good Time, the first one was recorded in January and broadcast in the end of April. The amount of time I had was very loose. I could do four minutes or something like that. They actually cut it down to about two minutes, 20 seconds. Mm, And they had a little, on the YouTube clip, there's a little bit of chat with the judges, which included a joke. And I managed to get a nice joke in just before I started my act. That was really essential because I had to try and get the audience laughing before I started my act. And I also got Simon Cowell laughing just before I started there. And that was, he gave me a little in because he said, um, who have you brought with you today? And I thought, oh, I know, I'll try this line. I said, oh, well, unfortunately, my girlfriend couldn't come because she uh, doesn't exist. And that was a sort of first glimpse of my humour to the audience which they didn't expect and yeah. you know Simon Cowell even cracks up yeah the thing is um that's the difficult part for comedians it's it's an entirely uh, a gamble when you do something like Britain's Got Talent because those judges may not appreciate the what the humour is or where's it coming from and one reason why I did it this year was because Deliso Chapondo did it last year and came third. And I thought, well, they must appreciate original comedy more than they used to. And they can see this. So I thought, I'll give it a, a, a take a risk. And I did it. And then the first one, as I say, was cut down. The second one was completely live. Yes. The second yeah. one was live and uh, it was uncut. I mean, I was supposed to do about three minutes 40, and the guy. The floor manager said to me, You will, it will be stretched to five minutes because of the audience laughing. And I thought, But what if they don't laugh? But of course, as soon as you go out there, they're cheering and stuff.
2: Yeah, they loved you. They did love you, didn't they? They loved your Robert De Niro impression, didn't they? Yeah. Which unfortunately we can't feature on this podcast because it's a.
1: Well, I can't do the voice anyway.
2: <laughs> just so, a visual what? joke, wasn't it?
1: What? Was it? <laughs> no, that was my facial tick. What are you talking about?
0: What's next? Are you going to do strictly?
1: Well. <laughs> It's quite good having a facial tick when you're a comedian because you need timing. Um, strictly, as in being a celebrity on strictly...
0: Strictly come dancing.
1: Flipping heck. I, I tell you what, if I was asked to do that, I would be shocked. I, I don't think I'd be able to do it, but I'd probably say yes if they offered it to me, of course.
2: Do you, do you want to know um, what the Sun newspaper wrote about you? I wrote it down because I thought it was really, really? typical the sun? of the Sun. Yeah, the Sun did an article on sure you. i sure it wasn't the it Mirror. Online.
1: The Mirror wrote something about me. I found it on The Sun. Okay, but it all right, mean, go
2: on. Um, their description of you. Um, yeah. And I'll leave in the uh, horrendous grammar as well. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll read it exactly how it was on there. Who is Noel James? BGT 2018's bizarre comedian appearing in semi-finals. The Welsh comedian brought a guitar on stage, mm. dot, 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 banned what he did next, floored the judges.
0: I hear people are getting a bad reaction from The Sun. They should just stop reading it.
1: Yeah, uh, and what, what happens? What happens is when you're on that program, they have got a massive network of of um, uh, media sources and uh, journalists who work for them, and their job is in purely to send out stories to all the newspapers. I remember I did. In one afternoon, I was on the mobile phone to something like not Hello Magazine, but something very similar. Just chatting on the phone. Then that was on their their web page that afternoon, and and the headline for that was a was twisted what I'd said. They they twist headlines to make it. Oh, yeah. You know, attract just to more. Get a re- reaction yeah. From readers you know, and... the headline for that was Noel James walks. You know, as if I'd. Does he? He walked runs in a tantrum away from, well, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, um they just try and get you out there. There was something in the mirror. Uh, I had uh, another interview on the phone with the Daily Mirror for like almost an hour. And they wanted to find out what comedians I didn't respect and didn't oh, right. like. And I refused to good. I didn't want to go to, down yeah. there. But they, oh, good, I you. talked about my mother, the fact that my mother died when I was twenty, and all that. I don't mind talking about all that. I know they need some hook. They, I don't know why they need it, but they, they want to have something that their, um, you know, gossip mongering readers can, you know, can dwell on yeah, and brood upon. 17th and, 17th. and apart from the the fact that you're just a comedian, so that's why that ended up there. But what was annoying about that, and I think there are uh, online version of that as well, is it? It goes through what I did on stage. Like like with bullet points, it yeah. just describes like it in analysis. a very. Really what is boring. the point of doing that? Why don't you yeah. just watch the act? I mean, that's stand up yeah. comedian.
2: What he did. Yeah. And yeah. Ha ha ha. Yeah, it it is a really weird article. And it's, yeah. It's not a newspaper yeah. I I yeah. read. Um, yeah. yeah.
1: But it was an interesting uh, to be um, have that glimpse of what it would be like to be in the limelight. I was also on Good Morning Britain talking to Richard Madeley as well. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, How was that? That was fine. He was very nice, yeah. accommodating. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah,
2: mm. <laughs> he didn't say anything weird then. No,
1: no, no, no,
2: no. <laughs> he does say no. a few strange things. Isn't
1: to be honest, I was hoping they, they wanted, they mentioned beforehand, oh, and your mother died and blah, blah, blah. And I thought, well, I hope you don't start going on about that because I don't want to be, you know, and they didn't actually mention that. So, you know.
2: Comedy. So let's talk about sketch comedy then because you yeah. were involved in uh, an S4C sketch show yeah. years ago. I, yeah. d- I didn't know this yeah. until until I found out.
1: You've done your research then. Well, when I was in school, I loved sketch formats. I used to love watching Monty Python, as we've established, and Spike Milligan. I loved all that, really loved it. I used to love writing three or four-minute or five-minute sketches with dialogue, just like you've done here today. Mm -hmm. But when I went to college, I went to Manchester to do physics, and it was really boring, and something (laughs) happened to my brain, and I think I genuinely lost some kind of... The inspiration, comedy inspiration, I was feeding upon, d- was drained away from me. Mm. Partly because I was in this college doing this boring. Probably stuff. Probably using
2: one half of your brain more than the other, and then.
1: Possibly, I may. Might... I think I yeah. I got a virus like ME or something in my first uh. year. I don't know what happened to me, but I lost the ability to f- to f- to, f- to 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 write the sketches. I started writing poetry when I was in college. I had a friend called Mike, and we started writing f- sort of funny poetry or i suppose what you call surreal poetry and um that word again <laughs> that word again and so i've always been a fan of sketches and then when uh, after i'd been doing comedy for a couple of years uh, i got a call from i actually submitted a form to S4C because they used to do a a scheme to train people to be cameramen and and technicians, and it was called Covler. and I entered a form with all my details, which was meant to be secret, and I filled it in, I sent it off. I never got the job, but somebody gave this information, which said I was doing stand-up comedy, to another guy, a producer in Carnarvon, in Northfields, and he got in touch with me, and then, you know, it was a a circuitous way, I ended up doing being part a writer and actor of this sketch show that this guy mm-hmm. Dylan Hughes did in nineteen ninety four and ninety five, and one of them was nominated for The Rose of Montreux, which is Very the cool. European television award. Yeah. And um it was patchy, the sketch. It was okay. It was all ori- well, my bits were original anyway. I mean four writers and four actors all contributed bits to it. Right. Yeah. What was it called? It again? was called it was actually a Northwellian word which I was oh. never it's called Gammox. Gammox, that's it. Yeah. Yes, I did think. Yeah. Did spot that. Yeah. So it means
2: like sort of folly. Yeah, like yeah, that playing that. around
1: yeah. antics, yeah. I think. I do speak Welsh,
2: but I, I'd never heard of that word before. I Can we it
0: find it anywhere, the sketch? So, yeah, I tried
2: looking it up on YouTube. There's one sketch on there that I managed to find. I've got
1: videotapes at home, some videotapes ah, of it.
2: Right. You should get them on YouTube.
1: I mean, there's some sketches which have been done to death by other programmes. We did this sketch where there's people in a pub... Bavarian people in a pub with steins drinking speaking pidgin German and two English as an English couple come into the pub and they sit down and they start speaking English and when the Bavarians look around and see them they start speaking Welsh <laughs> 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 and that's been done by there's a there's a really good TV show. I'm not sure if it's still on. Called Dim Bead on SOC. Do you know Dim, Beed? Dim Beed. That's really yeah, surreal. And I think it may be made by the same. I, just, I think you know. Dylan Hughes. I haven't spoken to him in 20 years, but he's, his company's grown and grown. And he and Dim Beed did a version of that idea where they had like. Just cool, trendy, young people in a pub. And it just did it in the same... It was a twist. But the thing is, um, yeah, there were some nice bits on it. And I think there may be... I don't think there... It's never been repeated. Never been repeated. I don't know why. Because they repeat everything on s 4 Were you so. in the show
2: itself or just a writer? Yeah, I was in, in the show. You were yeah, in it as well? Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, that's amazing. Yeah.
1: And okay. uh, in them days, yeah. it was an adventure. Because you got to... I got to live in Carnarvon. And they paid, you know, pay rent for you and stuff like that. Because they had lots more money then. Yeah, that must have been
2: mm. very cool. So that's is that yeah. like the first sort of big project? Yeah, yeah. It's
1: probably one of the only big projects yeah. I did six, <laughs> you know, maybe three months or more of working on that, and then three or four months the following year, and then the year after that I did a I was in a drama which was located in Cardiff, and that was just an acting project set in a prison. That was a completely different company, but also in the Welsh language, and that was called Tivon Tivas, which means inside outside. Yeah. And I was playing a suicidal prisoner, and they built a mock-up of Cardiff prison inside a giant studio, uh, a bit like these units here in Llanelli. There's some units in Splot in Cardiff, and so we went to a recreation of Cardiff prison, and then some days we'd go into Cardiff prison itself and and act the scenes out in there, yeah. and so. Um, You know, those three things were really boosted my confidence at the time because I'd been doing comedy since the late 80s. So for two or three or four years, I was in a sort of, I wasn't sure what I was doing. I didn't know if any of this was going to work out. But I I was having a really harsh time in the early 90s in my my mind. I'd been to Thailand and I'd taken magic mushroom omelette and i still grieving over my mother's death about three years before, and all sorts of, and you know, just things. Yeah. So you were, didn't know where you were going next? No, then I didn't like know where I was going next, and I felt like I couldn't do a normal job. I just didn't feel like I had the strength or the um, coherence to do a, a regular job. So just, I had to, yeah. I was almost forced to keep doing comedy gigs because they were relatively easy to keep doing, you know. Can well, I ask a question? Yeah.
0: Um. Yeah. Go on okay. then. Okay. All right. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? <laughs> no. This is no
3: place
1: for women.
0: If you were a superhero, yeah. Um, who or what would you be?
1: Um, I would be possibly a th- the philosopher who just appears when there's a crisis, and he wears a hat over his eyes and a long coat, and he has a belt which has compartments with nothing in them. It's a futility belt. And uh, I would try and solve crimes (laughs) with non-violence. Just put people in a... Just deep thought. Yeah, philosophical dilemmas would confuse the villains.
2: Yeah, to the point of sort of existential breakdown. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Your other question, Amy, that you normally ask is um, conspiracy theories. Yes.
0: Mm. Have you heard of, oh, would you make up a conspiracy theory? Because we'll make a sketch out of I'd,
1: it. I'd love to um, make up a very, very good rumour. And I once heard a, an amazing thing that Max Boyce... I mean, it's not just me saying this now. This has been like an urban myth that Max Boyce as homosexual and had an affair with this guy called Dilwyn Jones who used to do the weather on the HTV Wales and Dilwyn Jones was also happened to be a drama teacher in my old school years ago but but the thing is I actually bumped into Max Boyce and asked him about that and he said that's completely untrue and then I bumped into Daniel Glynn, you know Daniel Glynn the comedian from Cardiff Daniel Glynn told me that he he made that up and he spread that and it became Aww. a rumour which had a, a, a force of nature, and I think uh, that. So we know uh,
0: who to go to if we need. Well, spread.
1: I was thinking of one the other day, and I can't remember what it was. Now I think if you try and come up with a very good rumor, you need like two things, just like you need in a joke. You know, juxtaposition, juxtaposition of two diverse things, which match, and um, but but at the same time sound really weird together. Uh,
2: um, yeah. Noel, tell us yeah. um, what you've got coming up. What have you got
0: lined up? When can right. people come and
1: well, see you? Well, depending on when the Viagra kicks in, I'm going to have something coming up in a matter of <laughs> hey! seconds. Basically,
0: when can I ruin your next gig? All
1: oh, right. Well, you can come and ruin my gig anytime you like, Amy.
0: Thank you, darling. Um,
1: I'm going to be doing Tarantino's uh, in a while.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. Shall I bring my Kill Bill outfit?
1: As long as you shouldn't
0: leave in the a reservoir sword.
1: dressed as a dog first. <laughs> Um, I'm going to be doing um, a few gigs in the next few weeks, all over the place. I've really? got...
0: It's Neath Comedy Festival.
1: Yeah, Neath Comedy Festival, that's correct. I've got a a show, um, basically a one-man show, with, with a support actor. Uh, You've funny, got two shows, haven't on you? On July the 15th, Ooh. in the, the Gwyn Hall in Neath, and uh, on July the 28th, I'll be doing a show in the Welsh language, me and three other acts, Yeah. and that's sponsored by the Gary Williams... Trust fund. Gary Williams was a comedian who died in the nineteen eighties and there's a legacy that's left behind a trust fund. Any Welsh language comedy events may apply for money from his fund. Thank you, Gary. We will remember you. Unfortunately,
0: <laughs> they could not afford me as a translator for this event.
1: Oh. No, we could yes. not afford you. Not at all. We could yes. not afford you. But that'll be in the afternoon around two two thirty and that'll be in the Neath Community Centre on July the twenty eighth. Come on, listeners, you know you want to come along. Even if you're only learning Welsh, or even if you don't speak Welsh, you'll appreciate it for the timing. Um, you know, the laughter will be there. But anyway, what else? I'm doing two weeks in the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in August. Cool. And I have got to try and capitalize on on the Britain's Got Talent. I don't know how the how I'm mm-hmm. going to do that, yeah, but that's what I have got to try and, and yeah, do. Drum up you know. a bit of. Uh... I've got a I've got a live um, album, which is all primed and ready to go. It's on. Was it what's it called Bandcamp? You know yeah. the Bandcamp website. Yeah. I've got that. And that is recorded at the Furnice in Clinetti about yeah. a year and a half ago. It's called Live at Clinetti. Seriously. I, I just don't know. I'm gonna announce it on my website or on Twitter. I have done actually, Do but it. nobody's noticed. That's <laughs> brilliant. Yeah.
2: Cool. And when you say album, uh, yeah. a
1: recording of a live Yeah, yeah me, gig you did. me yeah, yeah, doing, yeah, doing forty minutes. It's just stand up comedy. Fantastic. Professionally recorded, you know, just like this podcast.
2: Oh, well let us know when it's uh Okay. When it's, when it's available. Uh, we'll, uh, well I've got the link. Share it? I'll Get home send and it. I'll send you the link. Yeah, amazing. And we'll tie it in with when we great. put this episode out. That'd be great. Yeah.
1: Lovely, thank you. Um,
2: yeah, it's been really wonderful having you on the show. Oh, thank you um, very much. Yeah, um, obviously you'd be more than welcome to come back again.
1: I hope some yeah. of it was usable.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: Do you want to do another comedy? No.
2: No, no we don't, none of us do. Nope. A rap? Yeah. So I'll just... I'll just uh, Can I do rap? my dance? you
3: say a rap? A rap? Beatbox? Beatbox.
0: Go on then, you rap. You're the beatboxer.
2: Oh, clap. Um, do you want to plug your
1: Facebook or Twitter or anything like that?
0: Yeah, how can we get hold of you? How can we connect?
1: Uh, well, if you want to get hold of me, uh, Twitter handle at Noel James Comic. And I'm on Facebook, Noel James, with a picture of Postman Platt next to my name. Because I, I admire him for his delivery. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I have got a website, but I'm kind of still working on the website. But Yeah, so don't go to the website. Cause well, no, you can, it's... if you can find so it. Just... Definitely
2: go to the website. Um... <laughs>
1: I don't know.
2: <laughs> You've maybe got the website. Yeah. If you feel like yeah, looking at a half-assed, yeah, nearly finished yeah, website. Yeah. That's it. Um, yeah. Or at least yeah. keep tabs on it. <sighs> oh. Yeah, you can have that one. You can have that pun.
0: That's fine. Tom's, Tom's I swear
3: you see me holding up my no pun sign as some sort of kind of quest that it's you know It's an invitation. Oh.
2: Invitation. <laughs> <laughs> right. So... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that kind of... Yeah, thanks, uh, thanks, Noel, uh, for coming down. We really, really appreciate it. So, um, no problem. You, so um, if you've listened right to the end of this interview, uh, just to let you know, the episode featuring Noel will be live in August. Um, we can't wait for you to hear it. Thanks very much, Comedy Geeks.
0: Can we just end on your favourite pun? Of for all Tom. time? Yes. Mm. Can I
3: leave the room? <laughs>
2: Okay. No, you have to sit there. We're going to tie you down.
3: No,
1: you'll like this one because this involves a reversal as well. Oh, the real the reversal. All uh-huh. right, okay then. <laughs> I, uh, I used to be in a band called One Armed Leopard. The drummer went death. Oh.
2: I like that one. I think that's good.
0: <laughs> Thank you, comedy geeks. Yeah, thanks
2: Thanks for listening. See you soon. Do <laughs> Outro music. Done. <laughs> Comedy Geek podcast. Search for Comedy Geek on your favorite podcast app. Comedy Geek podcast is part of Britpod Scene, an independent network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritpodScene.com or follow Britpod Scene on Twitter to find out more.